0: Hi, thank you so much. Um, hi, I'm Jane, um, compulsive over and recovery. Hi, hi uh, thank you, Michelle, for asking me to be i just going to start crying because uh, I wouldn't even be alive, I think, without OA. And um, when I see people, uh, newcomers, and people taking chips, congratulations, and birthdays, you know, it's all because for one day we were able to trust something other than ourselves to make it through. And I remember when I was starting out, um, I came in when I was around 28. I'm 54 and a half now. And I had gone, you know, all my life, you know, I I really do believe I probably was, you know, not really conscious about I was getting bigger until when I was like five or six, uh, you know, another a family friend visiting from my country when I was living in Illinois, said, why are you so fat? Like, I've grown up asking me. Now, I feel that if the, if nobody brought to my attention that, in a tone that, oh, you're not supposed to be fat, that's a description. I checked it on the dictionary the other day. It's not a judgment call. I don't think I would ever feel bad if nobody brought it to my attention that, hey, being fat is something that, is wrong with you. You're not supposed to be like that. People can ask you a free question like, why are you like that? Like, and uh, since then, it's like, I probably was already the anxious type of kid. That became my anxiety. And I do feel that it kept me alive in a way that instead of being anxious about why isn't my, why doesn't my family of origin seem to get get it, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I just felt my family where it didn't have it. You no, know, we're we're a fine family in a uh, traditional um, culture from my country. It just wasn't what I felt was right. But I never asked for help. I never asked my parents, hey are, you know, do you think we're a little off or anything? We never said anything. Um, and eating you know, when when you're a fat kid, you're making fun of you. The last thing you want to do is eat more. But that was what the only thing I could do. Um, and other, you know, I just realized when somebody was reading, it was like, wait, normies eat too. So that's something I have in common with a normal person. We all eat. It's just I what I do later or before how I control what goes in my mind. You know, food. Sure, food may be cunning, baffling, and powerful. But what's really cunning, baffling, and powerful is my thinking. My thinking is so. You know, I have two kids now, and one's graduating from college. One's going to high school. I would never wish one percent of my thinking, the way I think about myself, on anybody. And a lot of times, I, you know, I trust the steps tradition. I trust all of you. I trust God. Only because I don't want my kids to think like I do. Mm -hmm. Because after so many years in program, and my absence is no continuous eating, meaning three times a day, sometimes two, sometimes four, if I have a snack. I trust God. I trust all of you that I can make it to the next meal and live life in between without having the refrigerator opening as an option. Now, um... A lot of times, I just don't eat a lot of foods on my food plan, but my absence is pretty loose. When I think about it, though, it is really difficult to even do that for me because I'm a person that has to have that security blanket like wait if i'm I don't know what's gonna happen the next hour. Somebody cuts me off on my way home. Wait, shouldn't I be able to do something? Shouldn't I be able to, like, miss a meal because I want to control? Shouldn't I be able to, like, oh, I already signed up for that Pilates session, so let me just go work out two hours or something. You know, like, I wanted that. I always wanted that kind of control. So it's like, and to me, my top weight was 217. It was like, even though I was heavy, my thinking was very small. So I've read... um Some people may refer to anorexic thinking. Basically, I don't deserve very much. I'm going to eat my weight so nobody really thinks anything of me, and then I get to focus on how fat I am and why I'm not okay with that. And then if I got thinner, you guys would all love me and everything be great. Now, what I've had experience in program is um, I was able to let go of a lot of fears in order to surrender weight to God. And then when I got, the first time I led this meeting, I was probably like 10 to 15 pounds lighter. And I was really white-knuckling it, to be honest. Uh, I remember sharing here and my sponsor, who since moved to Palm Springs, was here. Another fellow who's since uh, gone to heaven was here. And I was really hanging on to the fantasy that as long as I'm thin enough, that means I look good enough. And that means nothing's going to happen to my marriage. And that was, that ended up being not true, because I can't control these things, Um, and however, that, so there was a lot of dieting, binging, dieting in my life, but when that happened, it was almost as if, and and also that, uh, it was like God kicked me into another program as well, but the thing is, for OA, if I didn't have 17 years of OA before God kicked me into the other place, so when I'm working two programs. I would never have been able to stay absent in the other place. I needed 17 years of God showing me that no matter how, what I looked like or what I felt I was like, God was okay. Now, that's because day after day, meeting after meeting, Working my steps with a sponsor, having sponsors all of you i've i known some of you since I came in. Um, you guys just show me what the miracle looks like. And it's like no matter what I think about myself, I'm gonna be okay, and I already am okay, and that's something that I still have problems uh with today. um you know, I just looked at the big book the other uh today I have a... Um, I can't remember what you call it. A post-it on one. So basically, what is this? Okay. So the original text is, I had to, it's no great trick to stop drinking. The trick is to stay stopped. (laughs) To do that, I had come to AA to learn how to handle sobriety, which is what I could not handle in the first place. That's why I drank. So deep down inside, I had anxiety about life on life's terms and this is not something I consciously come up with, like as a kid, like oh, you know, can't handle life. Let's, you know, get that and focus on that. No, it's just something that my brain does. That's why it's a disease. It's not like I will that, you know. I'm not that into alcohol at all, and um, but I know that if I have the option to eat continuously, it doesn't matter the quantity at each meal. Something's gonna be. I'm going to do something with my food or with uh, controlling my food, exercise, starving, binging, whatever, almost every hour because I'm just uncomfortable with myself or with others. And usually, when everything's fine, I thank God. And then the next thought uh, something happened at a meeting the other day, you know, the Zoom meeting, it went great. And I showed up how grateful I am, how present I am. The moment I did that, the next one was, Why are you so bad? Now, this is what happens to my mind. And that's why my mind, the thinking is cunning, and powerful. I don't even have to fix that thinking because there's this program for the newcomers. Don't worry if your thinking is, you know, kind of out of it. Because the literature has our solution. If I had to rely on myself, I wouldn't be alive. And I really believe that. Because my thinking, it's not like 24 years later, my thinking is all of a sudden you know, uh, the 12-step way of thinking. It's just I know when my self-will comes in, I just go straight to God. Why waste any more time? Because, you know, uh, trust me, I do, I do. It's not like, hey, you know. Um, I go into the struggle a little bit. My mom said, well, you know, let me just do this. Let me just do a little more class here. Let me have to do a little this, there, That, And I, all my friends are doing this and already they thin with it, you know. So... That kind of thinking can go on and on. I've learned in program you invite the thinking in because you can't will it away, and you say, "Oh, hi, thinking, just come in." Um, I'm going to continue working programs, so whenever you raise, just leave. <laughs> and usually at least, but I cannot will it away. And the worst thing for me, somebody in recovery, to do is blame myself for that, um, which I tend to do too, because that's how I survive. Like if I really felt that life on life's terms, I had a handle, and I didn't have like, oh, I have to do better. I have to do this better. I have to, you know, you know, it, it's like you learn something every day. So 24 years later, progress, not perfection, to me, finally, I always kind of like didn't quite, I wasn't that fond of that phrase. But I think yesterday, I just thinking about what's was going to talk at the meeting. I was like, wait, progress is the goal, not perfection. I make it sound like oh, I'm in progress, but i actually going to get to perfection. No, that's my flaw thinking. It's like, no, that's not what they wrote. And that's not what God wants, you know. And um, it's just so many things I continue to think, and God just says, move on. But it's not like, hey, move on, and then the next minute I'm moving on. It's like, go to what you know. Read the literature. Work the steps. Follow the traditions. The traditions keep us alive the uh steps you know keep us you know alive up you know on the me level and tradition on the we level and i just feel that this is how i grew up so if i'm only 24 years old and emotionally i feel like because i'm so i was so um sheltered growing up because i really did not feel i don't know just too scared to live so um I feel a lot of times I'm less emotionally mature than my own children. (laughs) And then I thank God for, you know, putting them in my life. They didn't have to come to my life, okay? And they show me what it's like to live life on life's terms. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, my kids are doing this life on life's terms thing. God obviously trusts me to do it too, or else, you know, I wouldn't be here, right? So it's like, if God... If nothing in God's world happens by mistake, then I can humbly ask God to help me own my childhood because every time something's going well, I'm just going right back. Why was I so bad as a kid? Why couldn't anybody help me? Why do I have to eat this? Why do I have to go on that starving, starvation that almost died? You know, stuff like that. It's like, I'm just very self-centered and thank goodness somebody wrote that because I'd be like, am I the only one? You know, like, it's just, um, I just feel immense gratitude for this meeting and this program because when I walked in at 28, I'd done some um, famous nutritionist uh, diet. I'd gotten married, but I was still, like, gaining weight, and um, I lost, like, 25, 30 pounds But then I told my then-husband, I can't do this nutritionist anymore. He's like, why? It's working for you. And I just said, I remember saying, because I'm going insane, I need to see a therapist. But, you know, being a compulsive overeater, I binged my way back, plus more. Probably binged 40 pounds back before going to the therapist. And thank goodness the therapist said, oh, wait, the first meeting. And I do not remember her name, but I'm really grateful. Because when I went to my first meeting, it was a writing meeting Wednesday at noon in Palms Park in Los Angeles. Somebody read from Fork Today, our daily reader, and then we write on it 10 minutes and then we share about it. I didn't, I barely said anything. I may have cried or not. I waited a whole week to go back, even though it's pretty close to where I was living at the time. But it was the first time I really felt that other people thought what I thought. And other people were brave enough to share that on a group level. It's the first time ever i felt that way. And when they say welcome to OA, welcome home, that's how I felt. Sure, it took me a whole week to go back because, you know, I, my life is full of fear. But at the same time, I knew that I wasn't the only one in this world that thinks the way I do. And, you know, for some times I just feel like, yeah, I'm really, I was really ashamed of being so big. At the same time, I was even more ashamed of what I was thinking because, you know, it's kind of like, well, you lose the weight, but if you think the same way, people are going to find out how really flawed you are, you know? And that's like, uh, sorry, I'll just eat my way back because that is really, that's even scarier than being fat. And um, so the reason why I feel I can keep the weight I released off is because, and I do have a, a 10 pound weight fluctuation. I don't weigh myself really, and I just trust God that whatever it is, it's, you know, that's the way it is today. Um, and I don't really think about what I ate and what I'm going to eat. So when I, when I have life in between, I'm really grateful that I can live life in between. And I got to say, you know, for me, how I survived my life before OA was always feeling like if I looked good, if I look better, my life will be better. Now, that's something that I feel I had to think to survive. So I'm grateful for my disease. I'm grateful for that flawed thinking until it didn't work anymore. And then I really had to, this was probably, you know, during that time, like 10, 15 years ago, I really had to go to God because if losing weight didn't get me the life I wanted, like what use is there? You know, that's my flawed thinking again. Thank goodness I had kids, young kids. Um, If not, I really didn't know, you know, so I spent my entire self-centered life focused on this one thing. And God said, you know what? I'm here for you. You can do life on life terms. And I'm Buddhist. I'm just using God because that's what the big book uses. Um, It's just that if I can trust, uh, first step, we admitted we're powerless over alcohol, that our lives, I already know that. I just was too ashamed to admit to other people my life was unmanageable. Always has, always will be if I'm in self-will. Now, step two, the last few years since COVID, I really have come, you know, to a new surrender. Um, come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore society. Now. It took a long time for me to feel that my higher power could hold my hand through whatever was happening, whatever was happening. Didn't quite want to give total control to my higher power to help me handle my feelings over what was happening because I feel... You know, when before, I was just like, you know, people have called me out for being so fat for so long. And then when I got thinner, people just kept, you know, complimenting me, which I was not comfortable with either. So basically, my I had, like, everybody had to say the perfect thing to me or else, you know, who knows what feelings may come out, right? So um, so I was afraid of my feelings. And in order to squash that fear, of course I'm going to do something with my food or control. didn't have to be binging, but it was something because I'm so uncomfortable in that zone and it really took COVID. I wasn't going out on Zoom all day, you know, wearing sweatpants. And then I realized, wait. In order to look good, I have to be alive. Now, to be alive, I have to, you know, not die of COVID or, you know, to keep myself healthy. In order to stay alive, right? It's, and I, you know, and that was the first time I was like, okay, so abstinence, eating healthier, doing all that stuff is so I can stay alive. And also, I'm getting older, so the whole looking good is already like, God, why did you do this? To, you know, That kind of self-will. Yeah. So um, I realized my character defects are pretty much uh, perfectionism, and that's fear and perfectionism. Fear of not being perfect, not knowing what perfection is, but knowing I'm not it, and knowing that One of you may be it, but because I know step two, now none of you are it. So boy, you know, I'm in real trouble. Okay, that's my fear. That's my self-centered fear. But if I trust God, if I trust my higher power, that my higher power can handle what's, you know, can hold me through what's happening to me and handle all my feelings, feelings that I may never know until they come out. And I'm always afraid of super big feelings. That's just not what, you know, a good girl does. Uh, in my thinking, right? And thank God I think things society has changed. But the thing is, society to me has not changed with accepting fat people, accepting people. You know, it's like, but that's none of my business. Well, my business is, how can I give to God my feelings about everything that I can't control? Um, and it really took like a new, I really had to go into a new surrender to be okay with a higher power that can handle that. If not, I cannot keep going because I don't know like I'm walking on the street, right who knows what's who's gonna say whatever, who's gonna do whatever, and it may not even have to do with me, but if I get triggered, who knows how i'm gonna feel so that's my biggest fear is my feelings, and it took me twenty three years to figure that one out because I guess God thought I was ready to really do it like. Okay, you're ready to really face your feelings. They're not all going to be great. They're not all going to be chill. You can meditate all you want. You're Buddhist. It may not be, you know, calm, serene, all that. And you're still going to be okay because, you know, the first three steps. So that's where I am today in my program. And even with all that, I still, you know, easily could come up with a list of fears like this morning, like after like 30 seconds. So here's some of my fears today. Fear of facing reality, fear of losing weight and being thinner, fear of gaining weight and being fatter, fear of not being perfect, fear of eating the wrong foods, fear of people not liking me, and fear of people liking me too much if I don't like them bad, okay? All right? Fear of making mistakes, fear of saying the wrong thing and offending somebody. This, I know, I've had this fear since I was three years old. Um, so the perfectionism really took its toll, and and I also have a fear of jealousy, fear of what feelings I may have, so I go to step two all the time, um, and fear of what I don't know. So I learned in program the beauty of the words, I don't know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until program I thought I had the permission to say that to people. Um and why I tear up because, you know, I the uh, newcomers. Thank you for coming, and please keep coming back. I hope this program brings you relief, and that's the one word that I got as soon as I got here was relief. I just felt that I didn't have to have this imposter syndrome. Like I'm an okay regular person, just have a lot of weight to lose. Um, and uh, what else did I text? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be progress and not perfection because I will never know what perfection is. But I will always use progress, not perfection, to beat myself up. I can't help it. This is the way I was born, and that's why my disease is a disease of thinking, it's just manifested by food or control of food or not eating or eating. It really doesn't matter because without trust in my higher power, I wouldn't be able to live, you know, in, the, in a serene space. Like, I wouldn't be able to have sanity because even if I put down the food, I have to be brave enough to live life in between meals. I just have to. And how can I do that? Because I don't want to, you know? I would much rather say, hey, this VIP over here, Serenity Sunday, is it. Follow that person around and you'll get it. You know, so I don't have to be accountable for anything. I just follow the VIPs. But that's not what happens in our program. Our program really is a, you know, I give my, you know, I have, God gives me permission in terms of food. Trying different food plans. If it doesn't work for you, you move on. You know, I always remember at a meeting like 10 years ago, a guy shared about how he chose oatmeal on a menu and that. That was the best choice for him. And then a girl immediately shared how oatmeal is not a good choice for her. And back then, I, you know, I still don't really eat oatmeal. It's not my thing. The thing is, one person's sane food could be somebody else's poison. And that's not for me to say who it is. You know what? And, um, and then that in terms of um, thinking, too. But I learned early on, another lifesaver for me, is this is a program of action, not thinking. So I just have to do the work. And I see you guys doing it. You guys go to meetings, uh, do service. Some you get a little earlier, say hi to people. I used to do the coffee over at the big meeting that had coffee. And then you come you hang out with some people after the meeting, go get coffee, you eat. Like the first time I ate with other people in program was not easy. Okay, <laughs> Because I'm like, who has the perfect plan? Who is ordering the perfect food? I'm sorry, everybody ordered differently and nobody cared. And that's what kept me coming back. It's like, okay, so all these people were in recovery for eating disorders, but were not, like, judging other people. And, you know, I got to say, I, you know, I really wouldn't be able to live without the people I met in program, my friends in program, and program. Because um, I take this to the outside world, and I see how... I have to work program really, really diligently so I don't end up making amends. Like, I was just with a few normie friends, and they're all really great friends. Now, it's none of my business what they want to do with their food or diet plan or working out. I used to feel so bad. Like, why why are you talking about this? You're so much thinner than I am. Like, can't you guys be sad? But now I've learned it's none of my business. They have their own higher power, so do I. Um, And... You know, I'm going to just read something from, oh, okay, I just went to working with others, so this is another lifesaver. I really thought that, I have a lot of talent, I'm really good at uh, studying and stuff, but I really felt like, why on earth am I here? Now, that started to change when I started to do service, so showing up at a meeting is service, and thank you so much for coming, and welcome to the newcomers again, because without you guys, we, we wouldn't be able to be here. And when I see a newcomer come in, I see the miracles that are higher powers working in our lives because there's no way I would have walked in if, it, if I weren't desperate enough. You know, it's like, oh, I uh, may have gone to a meeting, you know, like there was a meeting in Beverly Hills. I kind of walked by. I'm like, oh, okay, so those people are older than me. They don't look like me and they're heavier than me, so I don't need this. Or if I walk to another me and like, oh, you know they're all like thinner than me, so I can't do this either. Or um, you know anything to do that. Once I started going to meetings and learned about service, it was almost like it gave service that principle gave me a reason to go, to keep going to meetings because I really feel like oh nobody's gonna like me and all that. Trust me, my cell will still takes me there many times a day, and I'm like okay, but I can do service by showing up. So I do, um, and then you see other people doing service year after year, and you realize, okay, they're out there doing it too, and no matter how much fear I have about people, places, and things, in myself, service, I know, helps, and service is okay. Like, not one of you is going to say, hey, Jim, why on earth did you leave today, or why on earth did you even walk into a meeting today? My thinking could take me there, but my fellows keep me safe. And that's why I really um, also am very grateful for the traditions, because if, it, if I don't feel always safe, I'm out of here. But I know I don't have any else to go. So whatever hopefully whatever I can do to keep our uh, meetings safe, I will do. And I really am grateful to everybody who attends meetings and does the service on a group level and beyond, it's because I don't know about you, but if fear ruled my life and I'm coming to an OA meeting, it's supposed to be anonymous, and I'm sharing my heart out, it won't take much for me to leave. However, because I now I do want to live, I'll probably keep coming back. The thing is, we are all sick people, you know, trying to get better, and For me to go into self well, it really doesn't take much. That's why my higher power is to be so big. I can easily walk out and feel like, ugh, time to leave. But I also, like, my friends have left here and there. And I'm like, how on earth can you survive one day without OA? I just don't understand because I can't. So I don't need to know why they can. (laughs) I can't, you know? Like, I can't. And I'm like, you know, and the more, it's like there's no fear I have that can't be resolved by going to the first three steps, really. And because I have a really big higher power, thanks to the lockdown and COVID, um, and that's really one thing because I, you know, it's like, okay, come for the vanity, stay for the sanity. Uh Trust me, when I say that, I'm grateful for my sanity, but I'm sorry. Which one's more important to myself? Will? it's not my sanity. So I need to know that somebody else is looking out for my sanity, my higher power. Or else my kids have no chance, right? Like, what kind of mom is that, right? And uh, I, my friends have no chance. Nobody has a chance if I'm in my self-will. Because my self-will is, you know, way more cunning, badly empowered than I ever thought. So I'm so grateful this is a program of action because I don't need to think about that anymore. I'm like, why can't my brain be a little jealous? I don't need to think about that. Because actually, the miracle is a lot of times I don't even, my brain is, you know, in serenity too. But then every time it comes up, it shouldn't even be a shock because that's my default. I have a disease of thinking, right? So if I'm thinking in a disease way, I just go to God. I just call one of you. I just text. You know, it's very, it's a simple program, you know? And um, I don't know. It's just... How it works. I don't need to know why it works. I just need to know how it works. And it's all in this, in this book, you know. And I don't have to really say, oh, what's, different? what's the difference between somebody like me and somebody like uh, an, um, somebody in AA? There is a difference, and I don't need to focus on that. I focus on what brings us together. It's the spir- this is a spiritual program. It's not a weight loss program. It's not a weight gain program. But you will find the help you need. to. I do, I do believe you'll find the help you need to get better physically and definitely emotionally and spiritually. And I don't really know how or why or when, but I know if you keep doing the steps and keep coming back, um, you will have recovery. And it's one day at a time and uh, one minute at a time, and hopefully you got something from my share today, but I definitely got so much just from being here today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, James. Um, what steps and tools do you use from the program to help you with your kids? Um, thank you for that question. So what steps and tools I use from the program, how many of my kids? Um It's, uh, I don't know if it's one of the official tools, but asking for help from members. Um, 11-step, motherhood is meditation. I've heard that one. So when I first had my uh, son 22 years ago, I had just gotten into my honeymoon period, the pink cloud period way. I was feeling like I knew what was going on. I felt like, okay, I I know how to eat, all that. And then God gave me a pregnancy, right? So it's like I had to um, ask for help, how to eat, how to um, work the steps. And everybody's going to have a different, um, I think, take on the food because everybody is different, everybody has unique needs. I checked in with somebody. My sponsor, sponsorship continued. My sponsor told me to call her sponsor because she doesn't have a kid, but her sponsor does, so that was very helpful, and just trusting that my higher power could get me through one day at a time, and, uh, you know, everybody's afraid of steps eight and nine, so that got me, you know, yeah, so, you know, I apologize to my kids, and when they're young, it's very, to me, it's easy for me to apologize to the kids, and when they're older, I realize that, hey, um, I have a lot of defects of character. And one of them, because it's all perfectionism based, I'm not very patient. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm patient because I know I have to be to be a good mom, okay? <laughs> but the self will run right. It's like, wait a minute, what, what are you doing wrong? Why aren't your kids doing what you're, you're telling them to do or what you think they should be doing without telling them? That's one of my biggest uh, character defects is thinking you're going to read my mind and just do what I want okay, Um, without me telling you, because that's how perfection works, and that's how I used to think people wanted me to operate, so I'm really good at that, but that's not good for anybody, Um, and just kind of see, you know, really asking fellows, you know, and the thing is, when, um, I'm very lucky to live in Los Angeles, where there are a lot of meetings and fellows, you do any kind of outside issue thing, chances are you're going to see somebody, and um that person probably has what you need that day, and that occurs in baby groups, kids schools, outside uh sports, pretty much everything, walking down the street with my dog. So even if there's nothing specific, there i mean, I cried so much because I didn't know what I was doing. Um I remember somebody um taking me a fellow. Who, had, who was probably 20 years older than me, she took me to the shopping mall to buy, kids for my, uh, buy clothes for my son because I didn't know what to do. And, you know, so every single step of the way, there was somebody. And also, um, two people at the meeting, so I don't know if anybody has any cleanups. Um, we had baby groups um, for a bunch of us on the west side, and we just get together with our babies in the park and have meetings. And I highly strongly suggest that no matter where you are in life if you have kids or if you you know just want to have a meeting at the you know a cafe playground go have one it doesn't have to be an official meeting but seeing how we raising kids together first of all as a compulsive overeater I never thought I'd have kids right like how can I think that far I can't even get out of my own self-will little circle so it's already a miracle and then I'm scared I'm in fear how can I keep them alive and well and not become like me in the thinking? Of course, I don't want them to be ridiculed for being heavy. But the, the most fear I have is I don't want them to think like me, like I do. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, yes, and the traditions help me, actually, the most, because greater good, all that. It's like how to operate a house, how to just be honest with my kids, um, and with other people you know so i really feel like you know program just taught me how to grow up yeah and how to be a person thank you um, any other questions yeah thanks your morning practice like oh okay i'll talk to you later thank you so much